In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good and master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to begin chapter 9. I'm sorry, chapter 16 today. Uh, as I hope to point out, it's very intimately linked to the preceding chapter. Uh, the last line of the chapter 15 goes, uh, When the paraclete, whom I will send to you, from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father. When he comes, he will bear witness concerning me, and you will bear witness, because you are with me from the beginning. So the witness of the Holy Spirit is interior, and then the witness of the apostles is exterior. Now the next very first line, the very first words after this, I have spoken these things to you. The last thing was... Uh, about the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we pick up. I have spoken these things to you so that you do not fall away. Rely on the Holy Spirit for strength, for wisdom. And then it goes on, they will put you out of synagogues. Not only that, but an hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. That's talking mostly about persecution in the early church uh, in the Jewish milieu. Those times were violent. People were killed for uh, heresy and things like that. And so our Lord is warning them. Huh? Uh, now, so much of this uh, you can find reflected in the uh, Synoptic Gospels actually from about 1518 down to the first part of 164, is a collection of sayings where the, where the Gospel of John more closely resembles the synoptics than anywhere else, the wording even. So, see, I've spoken these things to you so that you do not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues. And the hour will come, as I just said, when everyone who kills you will think... Um, they are offering a service to God. And they'll do this because they do not know the Father nor me. Then, a few more lines. But um, I have spoken these things to you so that when their hour comes, you will remember them that I spoke them to you. So the Lord is warning us about persecution and telling us, you know, don't be shocked or, or surprised or discouraged. Uh, this can happen. And uh, he's going to tell us in a moment how to deal with it. But this is, this 16, 1 to 4, except for the last part of it, which I haven't read yet, goes with the last part of 15. It's an astonishing block of material about persecution about opposition 
And it's the closest we have uh, in wording to the synoptic Gospels. And so, uh, why persecution? Well, the Word of God is living and active, and it cuts between soul, soul and spirit. When we're confronted with it, we either accept it or we reject it. You can't stay neutral. If you reject it, you have to justify your rejection by saying these people are wrong and they should be stopped. And if by putting them out of the synagogues or elsewhere, it doesn't help, we'll just have to kill them because they are a disturbance. They're up disrupting the public order right now. They're out in the streets praying and they're praying against abortion. Well, this is the public order. This can't go on. Now, blessedly up to now in this country, our laws are such and our freedom for gathering together and so forth and for peaceful demonstration is guaranteed. But there are plenty who would like to stop that witness, which is, for the most part, a Christian witness. Not a totally, you know, not everybody is a believing Christian who is opposed to abortion, but most people are. And so, this is not um, so abstract. The idea they will put you out of the synagogues may allude to something that happened, at least of which we have evidence later on. Um, there are these um, 18 benedictions, the Berakot, huh? uh, and um, one of them finally said, you know, and curse all those who are minim, heretics, well, if I'm standing in the synagogue and we're going to recite these 18 benedictions and that one comes up, I'm not going to say it if I'm a believing Christian, even though I'm a Jew. And people are going to notice that I'm not saying it. Therefore, I'm one of the people who uh, should be put out. And it seems to be that's the way it went for quite a while. Okay? Now, they do these things because they do not know the Father nor me. But I have spoken these things to you so that when their hour comes, you will remember them that I spoke them to you. That's encouragement. Things have not gotten out of hand. I am still the Lord of history. You needn't fear. Just rely on me. And as he's going to tell us in just a moment, and the paraclete will come and he will convince you that the world is wrong. And you will have that assurance that you're not crazy. This isn't some figment of your imagination. You're on the right track. And you can trust me. Whether you live or die, you can trust me. And so our Lord is preparing us and the apostles for uh, persecution. And that ends uh, that block of text. And now... The very last line of verse 4 starts something new. I did not say these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to the one who sent me and no one of you asked me, where are you going? Interesting. Then, because I have, but because I have spoken these things to you, sadness has filled your heart. And this theme of sadness... Um, comes uh, 
in a text we're going to look at later on. You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will be sad, but your sadness will, be, will become joy. And then the image of a woman about to give birth, that she's sad, that the hour of pain has come, but after she gives birth to the child, she's thrilled to death. It's got to be the same with you. I will see you, and your hearts will rejoice. So, this is our Lord's discourse, you see. Uh, um, you will have sadness, or your sadness has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. I tell you the truth. That's revelation. I'm going to reveal reality to you now. And so, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I do not go, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And there is this mysterious relationship between the uh, mission of the Son and the mission of the Holy Spirit. And it's alluded to in the text in 1 John chapter 5, about verse 6, where it says, And this is the one who came through water and blood not through water alone, but through water and blood, and the Spirit is bearing witness. So, Jesus is described in the past tense. Literally, this is the caming one, but we don't have that kind of a participle in English. So, this is the caming one who came through water and blood. And the Spirit, that's a past tense, past participle, and the Spirit is the homartirun, the, the witnessing one now. He, he shows you, he impresses on your spirit, this is all true. He will bear witness, you see? And that's uh, in the letter of John here. So that it requires the physical absence of the Lord and the physical transformation of his whole body, his whole physicality. Why? Because when that humanity is transformed, the rest of humanity is now apt to receive the Holy Spirit interiorly, to dwell in us. But it requires the transformation of the humanity of Christ before that can happen. This is the same thing we find in Acts 2.38, right? And having been raised to the right hand of the Father, he received the Holy Spirit and poured him out. And that's what you see in here. So that there's this intimate connection between the resurrection and ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The sending of the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And now we begin a very important section where the role of the Holy Spirit is uh, described for us in detail so that we will understand and be alerted and be sensitive to his work in our lives. And so it begins, and having come he will prove the world wrong. Now that is often translated, I can find the spot now, um, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and condemnation. They understand it, and many other translations do do, you see, um, the paraclete, when he comes, Elenchi, Elenchi, Don Cosmo. Now, the word Elenchin means to prove wrong. But to whom? 
If the world were to accept the proof that it's wrong, it wouldn't be world, it'd be kingdom. So it's not the world, it's the heart of the believer who understands that the world is wrong. And then, inspired by love, he bears witness. And that's the point of this very important section, you see. But if I go, I will send him to you, and having come, he will prove the world wrong about sin, about justice, and about judgment. The world is wrong about these three things. What's the sin in the world? Not being politically correct. Not going along with the majority or with the state. Or, that's the sin. You know, to be opposed to abortion, you know, or same-sex marriage. That's sinful. No, it's not. It's the world that's wrong. How do we know that? Not in any condemnatory, superior way. We know it by the sweet anointing of the Holy Spirit, which gives us love so that we bear witness. And so, you see, uh, about sin, about justice, and about judgment. About sin, then, because they do not believe in me. That's the sin. That's the sin. Not to accept the witness of Jesus Christ, fortified and made available by the action of the Holy Spirit in and through and even beyond the body of Christ. The world is wrong not to accept that witness. And we have to realize that it's wrong so that we can find ways to win them over. And that's very important. Well, we'll stop there for the moment.